The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Where we begin the show with some breaking news. Karen Veely from Cal Coast News just posted this story. The 24-year-old San Luis Obispo resident who allegedly hit and killed a couple and their dog while speeding on Sacramento Drive in San Luis Obispo was charged with two counts of felony vehicular manslaughter on Monday, as in today. San Luis Obispo police officers arrested Daniel Angel Saligen Patricio today. He is being held in lieu of $200,000 bail. More details on this story as they become available. When it's not always raining, there'll be days like this. When there's no one complaining, there'll be days like this. Everything falls into place like the flick of a switch. Well, my mama told me there'd be days like this. 307 on the Central Coast as we begin another edition, another week of Hometown Radio. On this Monday, February 27th, 2023, good afternoon and welcome. I'm Dave Congleton. Always good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Here's the rundown for today. After the next break, John Lindsay checks in to talk about the wacky weather of last week. It's still on people's minds, isn't it? First time guest at 405, Nick Larson is the co-founder and frontman for Proxima Parada, a local group that is on the cusp of greatness. He'll explain. Uh, during the 5 o'clock hour, another first time guest, Dr. Lynn Russell from the Scripps Institution of Oceanography, is going to explain this very important study that was just published uh, this week about dust on the Oceano Dunes and that whole controversy. We're going to give you a different perspective. Lynn Ward goes looking for good news during the 6 o'clock hour. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. First, though, I just wanted to check in with our good friend Gary J. Freiberg, who's been so busy these last few weeks, along with Paul Irving, organizing the big relief effort for the folks out in Los Osos. It was yesterday. Gary survived the day. He's here now to give us a report. Gary, good afternoon. Good afternoon, David. How you feeling, buddy? Oh, <laughs> it's, I am. Uh, I'm ecstatic. I am relieved. It was uh, the most the most gratifying experience I, I ever had. Um, I was exhausted by the end of the day, but uh, it was such a tremendous day that it was. Um, it, it was. Uh, again, not to repeat, but it was it was such a gratifying uh, experience. So many unexpected things happened. What re- um, remind folks the purpose of the event yesterday, Gary? Well, as we know, on January 9th, so using John Lindsay's words, uh, when Los Osos was hit with a rain bomb cyclone, which I'll mention real quickly, it is raining now in Los Osos, um, there were approximately 30 families who, in a matter of minutes, uh, just had their homes, uh, some demolished. I mean, with rain coming in one door and going out the other, buckling garage doors, uh, mud coming in two and three feet high. And the people that were affected there were a lot of uh, older couples uh, older single women uh, that were affected and um, 
all were the families that that could not afford uh, to have such a devastation happen so quickly and, and immediately. Yeah. And so we did the uh, digging deep. It really has been a tremendous outpouring. And and I think yesterday was. Um, was a twofold story, one for the victims of the rain bomb cyclone, and the second, just how wonderful the community came together, service clubs and organizations, new organizations were formed, and in, and individuals who, without question, said knew what needed to be done and and did it mm. for people that they didn't know, and you know we can have a lot of cynicism and a lot of everything that that goes on. And one of the most gratifying things was to be part of seeing how how a community really is a community and really just dug in there and to, to help their neighbors. Oh. And what was the goal, Gary? How much did you want to raise? Well, fingers crossed. Um, I was hoping to raise uh, twenty five thousand. And how much did you um, end up raising? Well. Uh, checks will still be coming in, but uh, as I've been told by the treasurer of people helping people, we called in the nonprofit organization. Uh, Paul Irving and I didn't want to have anything to do with with handling the money and deciding how it was distributed, and we wanted the deductions to be tax deductible. And so I, the message that I got from Richard a little bit uh, ago is that we're north of forty thousand dollars. Yay! So we're. Yeah, north of $40,000, so we're at 150% of goal. And uh, the generosity was such a, a combination of people had a good time, but during the band breaks, because we had five bands, we had speakers, residents that were affected, and that kept it grounded, and that kept uh, everyone in attendance reminded of why we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went back to the music, and uh, the community center was packed all day long, all day long, and we were uh, just so fortunate that it didn't rain, but the crowd just kept coming, and uh, uh, we had silent auction that everything was bid on. We had food. There were items that were sold out. We had a beverage. We went through 17 cases of wine and six kegs of beer. Well, you drank and, a lot in Los Osos. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and five wonderful groups. Um, uh, Being the Hive, that's a, a, a local group, and I've known the one guitar player since he was a teenager, and another group, Strange Cake. Um, Carbon City Lights were fantastic. Zongo was great. And Minnie Nova, who you may know, have a guitar player from the Steve Miller Band and a sax player from war and and there were some people that boy they did their workout for the week i mean they just danced all day long and it was such a mix of demographic of the age range who turned out and and at had a great time and at the same time uh were so generous in in our achieving our goal and the thing that that we're doing that people helping people is doing is that they talked uh, with the families and I'll call them victims and so when the distributions happen they're on target it's not just throwing money at it and hoping it lands in the right spot they've yeah. talked to families they know what the needs are and so it's it's really a directed um, effort that uh, distribution that's going to happen so Gary if people still want to donate is it possible yes and thank you for asking the PO box is P.O. Box 
one P.O. Box 6221. The checks are made out to uh, People Helping People, and if you can note in the subject section that it's for the Diggin' Deep uh, concert, a uh, relief effort, um, uh, the zip code for the P.O. Box is P.O. Box 93412. So that's People Helping People, P.O. Box 6221-93412. And... If I may, if I may say that uh, I think about when people get their Oscar and they stand up there and they try to think of everybody to thank, and then they hope that they don't leave anyone out. That is my feeling with Kiwanis and Rotary and individuals. But I mean this sincerely, and I don't know if you know this. Thank you to you, David, because when I was able to host your program on the 22nd last Wednesday, I did a segment with the emergency relief a coordinator in San Luis Obispo County, and then we talked about the fundraiser. And then when we were done, uh, Pepper put his head in and said, hey, a listener just called in. She's donating $1,000. Yay! And Yay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean it sincerely. Andy Morris, who did the interview, Craig Hill, who did the, um, uh, the uh, public spot, uh, Pepper Daniels, who approved it, you, Scott Taylor. Um, so KBEC was a was a, another part of the puzzle that helped make it such a success, and I really I do sincerely thank you all. It's very kind of you to say, Gary. Congratulations on pulling off thank the you. successful event, and we look forward to seeing you again. Well, good. Thank you very much, David. Have a great day. I'll be listening to the show, and thank you so much for uh, for helping and, and for allowing me on today. All right, Gary. Thank you. Let's take a quick break. Delighted to hear the good news out of Los Osos. Uh, when we come back, John Lindsay joins us. Let's talk about the weather of last week and the weather ahead this week. You're listening to Hometown Radio for the Central Coast. It is the Dave Congleton Show. Well, what can we tell you about the weather? <laughs> what a week that was. Wind and rain and snow. Holy cow. Here to sort it all out for us. Always good to talk with the one, the only, ace photographer, John Lindsay. John, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, David. And I just want to congratulations to uh, Gary and to Paul Irving and uh, to the Rotary Club and to the Kiwanis Club and everybody else that participated in that wonderful fundraiser yesterday. And my gosh, $40,000. Impressive. That's really awesome news. Impressive. Well done, well done, well done. So, John, geez, when's the last time we had snow on the Central Coast? Let's start with that. Well, I, I mean, it happens every now and then, but of course, the the big snowfall that occurred uh, back in December of 1988 was pretty unprecedented, where um, Atascadero had up to a foot of snow, believe it or not, and the Cuesta grade was shut down. In fact, 101 in many locations was shut down because of the heavy snow. So that's the most snow that I've seen before. If you look at San Luis Obispo, I mean, if you look back at the records since 1862 or 69, there's never really been any snow reported. However, David Middlecamp with the Tribune um, actually showed some snow photographs from Monterey Street, I think it was back in 1921. So we probably had snow in San Luis Obispo. It's just never been officially reported before. Every few years we get snow, I guess. Yeah, it's it's not that uncommon, especially on our higher peaks of San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara counties. But 
still, that was quite the sight because not only did we have snow, we had basically snow two times. And it looks like we may get snow again really? on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Um, you know, the, how the weather fronts, how the weather pattern has been developing is the, the jet stream, those upper-level winds, the, the, the storm-steering winds, however you want to explain to them. You know, look at 18,000 feet up at 500 millibars. The uh, upper-level winds or the jet stream has been coming right out of Canada through Washington, Oregon, through California, and really bringing a, a very cold uh, body of air uh, to central California. And that's been the case for much of February and, and a good part of January. Well, the latter, latter part of, of January and in the February. Um, however, after Wednesday, and boy, we're going to really be in for some strong northwesterly winds again, uh, much like we experienced last Tuesday. Um, I know on our trip up to San Jose, you know, we had to dodge all the tumbleweeds through yeah. the Salinas Valley. I never had I never had that experience before. We were driving north on the 101, and there was tumbleweed, and not just a couple. There were plenty, a mess of tumbleweeds blown across Highway 101. And it, it stopped traffic. It had to stop. I mean, yeah, yeah it was it was pretty in dust storms and falling tree limbs and, and everything else. So um, the weather pattern is going to make make a pretty dramatic uh, change, and it's going to be um, the jet stream is going to take a more southerly route, and hence the the temperature is going to dramatically increase. Uh, but there's a couple of storms coming in mid March on, on the eighth, and I guess on again on the thirteenth, and this will be a subtropical tap, an atmospheric river. And snow levels will probably increase up to like maybe six or seven thousand feet. Consequently, I'm really concerned because now we do have a very deep snowpack throughout the state of California. And when you have those very warm rains coming in, uh, not only do they help produce, uh, well, copious amounts of precipitation with an atmospheric river, but the double whammy is that they melt the current snowpack, which is adds to the potential for flooding. So I'm, I'm really concerned about that. The same thing happened back in 1964, where if you ever drive up Highway 101 and you're up in Humboldt or Mendocino or Del Norte counties and you look at the, you know, the freeway overpasses that sort of go along the Eel River, and you look at the high water marks from 1964, and it's really hard to comprehend or actually believe that those marks are, are really valid. But um, that's what I'm a, a little worried about is uh, an atmospheric river developing with very warm temperatures, very heavy rainfall falling over the current snowpack, which could just add to the amount of flooding days. John Lindsay checking in, explaining all the weather events of the last week or so. First question already on the Stolberg Tatum text line. David wants to know if what we're seeing is a result of climate change. Well, it's called climate attribution or climate change attribution. That's really kind of uh, difficult to, to really answer for every Pacific weather event that occurs. You really have to look at long-term trends, such as 30 or 40 or 50 years, to really make a, good ter- a really good determination of that. And uh, we are seeing uh, temperatures, air temperatures increasing um, by a pretty dramatic rate. And, 
You know, lately, I think for the last three years, we've been in the La Nina condition, which acts like a big air conditioner uh, for the Pacific Ocean and, and for the west coast of the United States. And all the long-range models have us moving into an El Nino condition, and we'll lose that air conditioning. And, and I think there's a real potential for much warmer temperatures coming up this summer. Hmm. All right, so uh, we're talking a bit about the snow. So what about the rain? We've been getting a lot of rain this last week. Sure. So uh, right now, uh, the average for February in San Luis Obispo is 3.52 inches, or 3.53 inches to be precise. And currently, we're at 3.52 inches. So we're right at normal amounts of rainfall for February. And we are expecting another inch of rain uh, there's a cold front passing over our area as we speak, as Gary Freiberg had, had mentioned. And then uh, there's another cold front that's going to follow uh, on uh, Tuesday Tuesday night. We'll have some showers on Tuesday morning, and then those showers will turn into more persistent, continuous rain on Tuesday afternoon uh, into early Wednesday morning. And that's when the snow levels are going to go from 3,000 feet, which they're currently at, down back down to about 1500 feet by Wednesday morning the rain will turn to scattered showers and then a very steep pressure gradient will develop along the California coastline consequently that's going to generate a moderate gale force the fresh gale force 32 to 46 mile per hour with gusts of 55 mile per hour northwesterly winds in the coastal regions and then by Thursday Friday and Saturday we'll get back into uh, Santa Lucia northeasterly offshore wind condition which will produce mostly clear. You there, John? Still getting, yep. still getting over that cold, Dave. Uh, clear and, <laughs> and uh, primarily clear and warmer conditions. It was, uh, was it just me or did it seem uh, really cold last week? Oh, it's been really cold. In fact, uh, temperatures, in fact, let me uh, give you some some uh, better information on this. So uh, I've, normally, got, I've got 45 seconds, John. Okay, yeah. Normally, Dave, uh, the high temperature in San Luis Obispo is about 65 degrees. This month, we've averaged 62 degrees. Uh, the normal low for February is 42.5 degrees. And this month, we've averaged 38.3 degrees. So consequently, yeah, the, the air temperatures have been much colder this feb- February than you would normally see during this month. Boy, I really felt it. All right, we're in conversation with John Lindsay, just talking about this bizarre weather we've been having lately. It uh, seems to be the topic of the day. Off we go. We've got uh, California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig updates us with Time Saver Traffic and Weather Together. We'll come back and do another segment with John. We've got some text messages coming in to read. Also, welcome your phone calls in case you have questions for John. We're live. We're local. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. If you're just joining us, 
Before I go back to John, I just want to repeat the top local story of the afternoon. According to Karen Veely and Kill Coast News, the 24-year-old San Luis Obispo resident who hit and killed a couple and their dog last November while speeding on Sacramento Drive was charged with two counts of felony vehicular manslaughter today. San Luis Obispo police officers arrest, arrested, excuse me, arrested Daniel Angel Saligen Patricio. He is being held in lieu of $200,000 bail. We're watching that story. If there are further developments, we'll certainly let you know. Still to come on this broadcast, Nick Larson, co-founder and frontman of the group Proxima Parada. Uh, they're on the cusp of greatness, thanks to TikTok. He'll tell the story. Dr. Lynn Russell from the Scripps Institution of Oceanography will be here during the 5 o'clock hour. Brand new study just uh, published in the Scientific Journal that uh, gives a counter view of the source of dust on the dunes. It is the Dave Congleton Show weekday afternoons from 3.05 to 7 o'clock right here on KVEC. Where we are in conversation with John Lindsay, if you want to join us, call in, text in. We welcome both. 805-543-8830 is the number. John, as we're back with you on the Stolberg-Tatum text line, Cheryl is checking in. Hi, Cheryl. She writes, I really miss all the rain totals from the county that were on John's email. Is there any other source for that information? Oh, sure. Um, <clears throat> David, so uh, the, the slow, uh, well, let me go to it right now so I could get you the, uh, the correct information. So um, Slow County Public Works, Department of Public Works, has a great a website that they maintain uh, rain gauges, tipping rain gauges uh, uh, throughout the county, and it's um, pretty easy w- website. It's it's just basically um, if you just Google "slow county weather" or "slow county water," um, so S L O county water, and you'll go to it. And the first page you'll see is is maps uh, for six-hour rainfall map, 12-hour rainfall map, and 24-hour rainfall map. And you just click on that, and you'll get a map, and you'll see all the different rain gauges uh, throughout San Luis Obispo County. And currently, Rocky Butte, which always seems to get the most rain, uh, I'm currently reporting two inches of rainfall over the last 24 hours, um, where if you go down to Napomo, it's only about two-tenths of an inch of rainfall. So um, that's a great site. Um, the people with, with the county do a wonderful job maintaining all those tipping bucket rain gauges and calibrations, and, and it's, a, it's a wonderful resource. Also on the Stolberg-Tatum text line, listeners asking if the um, local hills around the Central Coast, did we actually get snow on top of them, or was it mostly sleet and small hail? No, it was actual snow. It was absolutely snow. So it wasn't gravel. It wasn't sleet. And there was some hail, though, because we did have some thunderstorms move through. But it was actually snow. And in fact, um, Paso Robles, um, Paso Robles Airport, which is at 800 feet of elevation, um, if you look at the National Weather Service's RAWS um, uh, real-time weather site, um, it was indicating snow for, geez, like eight hours or so that night. So, yeah, it was snow. And as you mentioned before, it's happened before, so it's not like this is out of the ordinary. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is rare. you got to have, you know, conditions develop like what we're seeing. 
you know, the, the first thing you need is, is a jet stream coming right out of Canada and bringing all that cold air into the Central Coast. And the second thing, you need some type of weather system to precipitate, to, to produce some type of precipitation. And, and you see what, David, the reason why we don't get really heavy snow amounts is because when we get heavy rain, it's usually an AR, an atmospheric river, some type of subtropical tap. Right. And with the jet stream the way it's been, you, you just don't get the heavy amounts of, of precip like like you would um, with an atmospheric river. That what we saw in the latter part of December, early part of, of this January. Um, however, as I said before, it looks like the weather pattern's changing again. And it looks like by mid-March, the, uh, the 8th and the 13th, um, we could see an AR, an atmospheric river developing, um, that could produce very heavy rainfall. And then, of course, with snow levels <laughs> above seven or 8,000 feet, that rain will melt a lot of that snowpack all at once. And, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about flooding. All right, let's take a call for John Lindsay. We have Alan in San Luis. Hey, Alan. Hey, Dave. Hey, John. Hi. Oh, Alan, how the heck are you doing? It's so I'm doing just voice. fine, thank you. Although I'll still tell you, I don't blame you for retiring, but I still miss your reports in the morning news. Oh, well, thank you, Mr. Science. But, um, yeah, I, I, I miss you too, Alan, to be honest yeah, with you. I get it. I <laughs> love your phone so calls. So the question today, is, on reservoir totals, how are we doing? It seems like Lopez always lags. How are they doing now? Good question. You know, what a great question, because this last storm produced a, a lot of rain in the uh, Lopez uh, watershed. And, um, in fact, over the last 48 hours, uh, lake capacity in Lopez went from 55%. And currently, as 10 minutes ago, we're at 59.7%. So almost 60% of capacity, which is wonderful news. Now, Lake Nonciamento, they're keeping it at 85% uh, through water releases because they've, they've still got to maintain that reservoir for flood control, right? So they've got to maintain a, a, a little bit of... Uh, of um, I don't know. <laughs> I said reserve, reserve right? stay so, and yeah. space. Yeah. It, on, on, uh, even Lake San Antonio now is starting to come up at 40%. It's too bad. There was one time um, that they were releasing almost 6,000 cubic feet per second of, wow. of water out of Nonciamento. It, it's too bad they don't have that pipeline that runs between Nonciamento and San Antonio where they could, instead of releasing all that water, and, you know, eventually into the uh, Salinas River, it could have been released in Lake San Antonio. But... Maybe that's for a different discussion. Yeah. <laughs> what, else, what, what else, Alan? Um, so your old uh, PG&E um, email has gone right. How do I reach you if I want to reach you? Um, well, uh, I, I'll, I'll, connect, I'll connect you guys. I don't want okay. John giving out his email on the radio. Fair enough. Okay. Right. Anyway, good to hear from you, John. Yeah, Alan, thanks Alan, for calling. It's always good to hear from you, too. All right. Yeah, so if anybody wants to reach John Lindsay, let me know, and I'll connect you. Meanwhile, if you want to talk to John Lindsay or text in, feel free to. 805-543-8830 gets you into the conversation, as John just uh, explains, the wacky weather we've been having lately. On the Stolberg-Tatum text line, um, what will the blanket of snow and the current weather do to the wildflowers popping up? Will they survive? Boy, well... You know, um, predicting super blooms, I, I mean, first of all, you have to have water. You have to have rain, right? I mean, everybody's concurs on that. 
and then you, you need sort of a warm spell for germination. And um, I, I don't, you know, a botanist would be better to answer this. I read an article, a fascinating article, that's really difficult to predict super blooms. There's so many different factors. But um, what I'm thinking is that a lot of times, like rock fruit, they, they need cold temperature, like cherries, for, for instance, to, to really um, have a good bud break. And I got a feeling with the projected very warm rains of March, I mean, there's a really good chance that we'll have a wonderful wildflower bloom this year. I know I got my camera all set and ready to go. I'll probably be one of the first ones out there in the Creasel Plains and and there on uh, Old Shell Creek Road taking pictures of all the wildflowers. It, it should be pretty good, Dave. I, I've noticed already we're seeing a lot of poppies. Hmm. Speaking of photographs, I want the people to come search for the Amazing photos you have been posting of the uh, snow. Uh, two immediately come to mind. One, you've got the surfer. And what is this? Is that out by Morrow Rock, John? Yeah, they were yeah. actually conducting a surf contest. And um, I always thought that was cool about California, where you'd have like snow peak mountains and palm trees and then people surfing on, on the Pacific. Yeah. And um, I thought, oh, man, I'm going to get out there for, at first light. And um, and what happened was because the Santa Lucia Mountains, you know, behind where the folks were surfing, of course, they were the, the objects that received the first light from the sun, so they really popped. They, they stuck out. And and then the, the surfers, of course, right there by the rock, and just lucky to get a couple of nice shots. Yeah. All right. Here's a call from Tom in Los Osos. Hi, Tom. Hi. How are you doing? We're good. Good. Uh, hello, Tom. Um, good afternoon. Oh. Uh, yeah, I just wanted your opinion. Uh, Joe Biden uh, just a few weeks ago said that um, uh, referring to the extreme weather in California is evidence that we are in an existential crisis. Would, uh, in your opinion, do you believe that these recent weather events, uh, the, the high rainfall and everything, would that be direct evidence of us being in a existential crisis you said earlier john that it's too early to tell that it would take about 30 minutes of or excuse me 30 years of research yeah i i, I mean it's you know think of the history of major league baseball where one play in a baseball game is really kind of a one weather event where the history of major league baseball is is really you know continuous to, to climate change so each Pacific storm, it's really hard to judge what the you know, climate or warming climate attribution is to that particular event. But I could tell you from my studies that we're seeing that rainfall events are becoming more intense, and that's throughout the world, um, because a warmer atmosphere can hold more water vapor, and when that water vapor condenses, it releases energy, latent heat, and that's really the engine that drives a lot of storms. Um, and, and consequently, now in the Pacific Ocean, we're seeing storms uh, becoming more and more intense. Now we know that as you look at the atmospheric pressure of those storms. And we've had storms now drop down to like 918 millibars, which is truly unprecedented. So uh, that's one way to look at it, but I think even a cooler way to look at that, and there's a person from Scripps who's going to be on Dave's show. Five o'clock. At five o'clock, 
is I looked at all the wave rider buoys, and they measure wave height and wave period. Maybe wave period is probably more important here. And the stronger the winds, the longer the period the wave they generate. And the longer period the wave has much more energy than a shorter period wave. And sure enough, we're seeing a 5% increase in the spectrum, the, the amount of energy in those long period waves, like 20 and 22 and 25 seconds, um, those energy levels have increased, which is a, a testament on how much more intense these golf, these mid-latitude Gulf of Alaska cyclones are becoming. Right. So let me go back so, to Tom. Tom, anything else you want to ask? Oh, no, it's just uh, I'm still not hearing about an existential crisis. Well, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we just have to wait and see and try to prepare the, the best we can. You know, I'm I'm worried that I think we should be investing more resources into our dikes and levees in the Great Central Valley of, of California. I, I said it's not politically the right thing to say, but I would kind of like to see more reservoirs built for flood control. Um, and and unfortunately, it usually takes. A major flood where where we have loss of life and and loss of, of property before those actions are are actually yeah. you know, we taken up. we tend to respond to things instead of preparing for them. All right, Tom, thanks for the call. We'll take a quick break and come back for a final segment with Mr. Lindsay. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio. Singer-songwriter Nick Larson spends the 4 o'clock hour with us. Let's talk about Proxima Parada and what's next for them. I'm Dave Congleton in our final segment with John Lindsay. We're just talking about weather. Welcoming your phone calls, reading your text messages. 805-543-8830 brings you into the conversation. John on the Stolberg-Tatum text line. Uh, listeners asking, is there some reason... That as the storms move south, Santa Barbara and Ventura counties often have higher rainfall totals than our county. I thought as storms from the north lose their intensity as they move south. Yeah, and that's normally the scenario. You're absolutely correct. Um, but these storms, the trajectory of them with the jet stream coming right out of Canada has actually been producing more rain and snow in Southern California and then the Central Coast of California, because normally, yeah, most of the cold fronts kind of fall apart between uh, you know, Prejus Blancas and, and Point Conception. Uh, that area, they always seem, you know, seems to be the graveyard of, of cold fronts. Uh, also on the Stolberg Tatum text line, Susan, hi, Susan, is saying how wonderful it is to hear your voice again, John, but she's concerned she wants to know if there's any place in the U.S. that's better or safer uh, because of climate change. Well, you know, I think San Luis Obispo is relatively safe. I think we're we're in a pretty good spot here. I think the best weather in the whole the whole country, if not the world, I think we get a joy. This is really a a really special place here along the central coast. You know, and unfortunately, I don't think I'd want to live in some of our southern states like Arizona or Texas, um, just because, I, you know, the air temperatures are just getting warmer and warmer and warmer. And you get to a point, like in Dallas, I think it was like 33 days in a row 
where the temperature never got below 80 degrees, and that's at night. And I just wouldn't want to live at in night. Condition. At night, it never. What I'm saying, the highs would get up triple digit levels, but then the the lows during the night never got below 80. So if you didn't have air conditioner, you, n- you never really had a time for your body to to recover um, from the stress of of the heat. So I. You know, personally, I, I would probably want, I, I think the, the Central Coast is great, because here, here's one of the reasons why, really quick, Dave, is as the Central Valley warms up, it, uh, it's called a thermal low over the great Central Valley of California. It's not a dynamic low, it's a static low. And then um, the Eastern Pacific High, which is off our coastline, you know, nature never likes anything out of balance, so that area of high pressure is trying to equalize with the area of low pressure of the Sacramento Valley, and you get these more stronger, persistent northwesterly winds, and that really acts as an air conditioner for much of the central coast. Uh, not only are you bringing air off the cold, relatively cold Pacific Ocean, but you're also generating more upwelling, and upwelling produces colder seawater temperatures along the coastline, which amplifies the effect of those winds coming, coming off the ocean. So um, if I had to choose anywhere to live, it would be right here where, in the sound of your voice, David. Oh, you're so kind, my friend. But I want to come back to your photos. All right, so the first photo we talked about before Tom's call, you have this great photo of a surfer there by Moral Rock, and in the background you see the snow up in the hills. And then the yeah, other the photo. Yeah, and then the other photo that I love, you, I guess you were downtown. And you were mm-hmm. shooting up past the Fremont, and again, you see the snow-covered hills. It makes it look like we're in Montana or Colorado. It does, doesn't it? I, I yeah. mean, um, also, I, I saw Stu and Diana were down there walking, so I got a great shot of them together, the, which I think is pretty cool. The Jenkins. But, yeah, and, and then um, I was using a telephoto lens, about 200 millimeters, and 2.8 f-stop. And it, it really brought the, the snow-capped Santa Lucia's in much closer to where the Fremont Theater is, and it really gave that dramatic um, you know, atmosphere of being, like you said, in a town in Colorado or Montana or something like that. All right. So, John, how yeah. can people see these photos? Well, you know, um, my regular Facebook page, I'm all filled up with friends. You're only allowed to have 5,000, right? <laughs> so I start up another page. And it's called John Lindsay's PG&E Diablo Canyon Weather Forecast page. And that and that's, has no limits. I can have as many people on there as, as I want. And so if you want to check out the photographs, I posted them all there. And also on my Twitter account, um, my Twitter account is really easy to find. It's just simply, um, let me get it for you here, it's, it's at, at emblem, um, and it's PGE underscore John, and you'll get to my Twitter account, and then all the photos are also posted there. I think the I think the Tribune, since you're still writing for them, they should distribute those two photos. They should send them out over the wire. I just think they really oh, yeah. capture they really capture a moment in time in the evolution of this county. Yeah, I was kind of you know living here as long as I have, like you. And, and seeing the work from other photographers like, like David Millicamp and, and Joe Johnston, you kind of know where to go to get kind of the cool photographs, right? And so I just emulated those two, and I was able to get, get some pretty decent photos. I, I kind of like the one um, in Edna Valley 
um, looking at kind of like a little farmhouse and, and yeah. the clouds and the snow on top of the Santa Lucias and the just the ridiculously uh, green grass. I, I think that's just really fun contrast to see all that, you know. And and no, we we live in a very beautiful area. And I think that was reflected in our drive back from San Jose. You know, we went to Hollister and took Highway 25 all the way to Santa Lucia. That was a great and, ride. Um, I'd never done that before. Yeah, and and we didn't pass what there for the last forty five minutes. We never passed one car. Yeah. I, I mean, just how amazing is that? Highway so. twenty five. If people haven't taken that ride, they should definitely do it. John, I got about a minute. Let's remind folks what the weather is going to look like for the rest of the week, please. Sure. So we'll we'll get rain uh, tonight. You know, currently we're seeing rain in in Los Osos. So, so rain tonight, rain on Tuesday. Um, it will become heavy as Tuesday night into early Wednesday morning. Right now the snow levels are between 25 and 3,000 feet. However, um, by Wednesday morning the snow levels are coming back down to 1,500 feet. So perhaps another opportunity to get those really cool snow pictures. And then, um, and then we'll have a good drying out period on, on uh, also with Wednesday, very strong northwesterly winds, I should add. But then a drying out period on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as we have those Santa Lucia northeasterly offshore winds developing. And then the weather pattern is going to take a dramatic change. Um, we'll see much warmer temperatures and the potential for very warm and, um, for, for warm and very heavy rainfall. I believe on the eighth, the ninth, and the thirteenth, wow. as uh, have a chance for some atmospheric rivers developing with a subtropical tap. Uh, I understood about half of that. Sounds like more rain on the way. All right, John more Lindsay, g- good job. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it so much, sir. Thank you. All right, thank you so much, David. Thanks for having me on. Off we go. News, traffic, weather. Here comes Nick Larson. Get ready. This is going to be interesting. It's hometown radio. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.